Hi, and welcome to Zed Games. Recorded live at 4 Triple Z Studios in Brisbane and broadcast nationally over the community radio network, Zed Games brings you the latest gaming news, reviews, and interviews from across Australia and around the world. You are listening to Zed Games, Australia's most beloved gaming radio program. We are coming to you live from the 4 Z studios in Brisbane. You might be listening to us around the nation on the community radio network. We have a full house today. Everyone Woo-hoo. is here, including Candy, who just went woohoo. <laughs> Hi, Candy. Hi. Candy's here. Hi, everyone. Razor's here. Hey. There's Razor. Jody's here. Hello. Alana's here. Hey, what's up? Hey. Uh, I'm Lee, and what are we talking about on this show? Alana has just returned from Sydney where she attended EB Expo and she had the chance to play several awesome and exciting unreleased games. Yeah, particularly excited to tell you guys all about PlayStation VR, which was great. Cool. And Lee and I have been playing Smite. We have. A game that was released quite some time ago but only recently released for the Xbox One. Yes. So we finally got a chance to get into that. We were smote. Smitten. Smitten. Get out. Get out. No, I quit. (laughs) But uh, let's get this episode started, as usual, with the Week in Gaming News headlines. Miss Candy. Thanks, Razor. Third-party Steam reseller G2A has been blacklisted as a sponsor of League of Legends. Developer Riot Games made the call after G2A promoted a company that sold League of Legends account boosting, a service prohibited by the terms of use. G2A has been a prominent backer of tournaments and multiple pro teams. Don't do that if you are going to be considering sponsoring something. Or don't. Don't boost systems that undermine the whole nature of the game. It's probably not a good idea. Mm. Mm. Jody? Yeah, G2A have been in the news a bit lately uh, for other things. All of the Steam key resellers and uh, all of the companies who resell keys from Origin and other digital services because uh, it's been discovered that some of the places they get their keys from are not that legit. Uh, no. No way. Uh, yeah. I find that hard to believe. So uh, in particular, a lot of them come from the earlier Humble Indie Bundles where you could pay a dollar and get a bunch of Steam keys for okay. games and that money would mostly be going to charity. And uh, a lot of people bought thousands of them and then just sat on them uh, until they could sell them for slightly more later but still undercutting the prices mm-hmm. that those indie developers would like to get for their games that they donated to charity. Yeah, that's that's that, not that's cool. That's super horrible. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a bit skeevy. Uh, and it's only been discovered when the game developers keep seeing all of these activations because they can see when somebody activates their Steam key where it came from and it's like, Humble Indie Bundle 2, suddenly a bunch of those get activated from several years ago. Mm. And yeah, it turns out that they're coming from key resellers. I think mm. they're the kind of supervillain who, during the Humble Indie Bundle 2, which is what, like five years ago or something like mm-hmm. that now, is like, I can't wait. I'm going to buy thousands of these things for pennies and then sit on them, and then that's how I'm going to make my fortune. That's like Lex Luthor in the first Superman movie kind of evil. I do like that they're forced to donate to charity first, though. Well, not well. I mean, the Humble Indie Bundle that you could... You pay very little. You could pay... Name your price. Yeah. From you still have to pay for it, right? You could pay yeah, you, one cent. Well, you have to pay a minimum of one American dollar to get the Steam keys for uh, them. Otherwise, you're just getting direct download okay. versions of the game. So, so they were paid for, but this damages the confidence that indie game developers have in 
putting their games for sale to help mm-hmm. charities because now they're more cautious about that because they know that they're going to be bitten in the ass by it later on where suddenly their games are for sale at ridiculously cheap prices basically forever and that's a bad thing. I know that it happened with a lot of Ubisoft games. Yeah, as those well. so ones. So how did they get those? Well, those were actually bought with uh, stolen credit cards. And when Ubisoft realized that and then canceled the keys for those games so that people couldn't play them, the people who uh, had bought them complained because they hadn't realized that they'd been buying something that was stolen. And Mm -hmm. there was such an outcry that Ubisoft actually had to give those people back the access to their games, even though they'd been originally obtained illegally. Mm. Hmm. Apple's iOS 9 is causing compatibility issues with certain games. Over a dozen games from Telltale's back catalogue have been pulled, including The Walking Dead, as well as 2K Games' Bioshock port and Capcom's Ghost Trick. A statement on Telltale's blog said that the games will return as soon as a patch for the audio glitches is ready. No news on whether Ghost Trick and Bioshock will be patched for the new firmware. Both of the devs who worked on the last two games, they no longer exist, so uh, it's not like... Take-Two or Capcom have any real interest in making sure that those work again. But mm-hmm. it's weird that people who have actually purchased them have had not just the the game pulled, but also the game removed from their purchase history in the case of Ghost Trick and Bioshock, I think. Uh, which means that if you wanted it again, if you managed to like find your old iPhone 4 or whatever that wasn't upgraded, you still can't because all record of mm-hmm. that sale is lost. That sucks because Ghost Trick is pretty rad. It's so rad. And the music is incredible, so you wouldn't want to be losing the audio especially. Yeah. Everybody in that game dances. (laughs) (laughs) Well, don't upgrade your phone, Jody. Yeah, (laughs) Just, just to keep the dancing. And Ubisoft has revealed the setting for the next Far Cry game. Far Cry Primal will take players back to the Stone Age, where they will assume the role of Takar, a hunter-gatherer who must use primitive weapons to battle woolly mammoths and saber-toothed tigers. The game is currently scheduled for a February release. You seem pretty excited about this, Candy. Oh my god, I saw the trailer and I'm so excited. I don't... It Look, it might just be because I've, t- I've only just recently gone back to playing um, Far Cry. For, and so I think I'm just really super pumped. I watched the trailer and it was vicious. So I had like the opposite reason for excitement in that I loved Far Cry 3, was really bored with Far Cry 4 because I found it was too similar to Far Cry 3. So now I'm excited about this one because it actually looks different. I'm like, I loved 3 and the new one looks good. So maybe it's like every second Far Cry you play mm. and you have a good time. <laughs> mm. They say it's the same with FIFA. I don't play FIFA, but apparently every second FIFA is very good. Better, mm. yeah. Mm. Every second Star Trek movie I heard is good. Yeah. Mm. Every second version of Windows. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, so I, I feel like it could be the same thing. Every second Far Cry is, is actually <laughs> different enough. But, yeah. you know, and, and they also update all the stuff that was good. So I think, you know, I'm, I'm happy about this. It just means that the it, one that's announced after that, I have to skip. Yeah. I just thought it looked so very different. I mm. got really excited. I mean, there's still all of the, like, skinning animals and stuff and blah, blah. But you're running around with, like, an arrow-headed spear. And I don't know. I also, just got... snow is the best in video games. Oh. Snow in games is great. <laughs> so excited for it. Yeah. Now, Alana, you have uh, been at EB Expo all weekend. Mm-hmm. It's a gaming convention held in Sydney. Yeah, Sydney Olympic Park. It's been running for four years. I think the first year was in the Gold Coast. And it takes place uh, first weekend of October pretty much every year. Um, the convention itself is basically the same every year. There's a bunch of big booths with fancy marketing and stuff and a weirdly large amount of headset stands that oh. blare really obnoxiously loud music with promo girls in skimpy clothing 
and a lot of cars and tanks. Uh, so that's kind of how you sum up the expo. Same mm. pretty much every year. Not, you know, that great. But this year there was a pretty good selection of uh, unreleased games. Uh, first thing I played, and the one I was probably most excited to play, was Star Wars Battlefront. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had the Assault Walker mode on Hoth. We were playing 20 versus 20 on PS4, um, which is enormous. It's huge. There's The map is huge. The amount of people is huge. So it's just so action-packed. And I think the highlight of that for me is all the vehicles. Um, they all handle totally, totally differently, and you can spoil them at different times. But... There's also weirdly confronting amount of suicide bombing, which for whatever reason I didn't expect. Okay. Yeah. Is it being done on purpose or are people just unable to fly the snow speeders? Because when I get oh. in a helicopter in a Battlefront game, I crash pretty Oh, I, I always die in helicopters on Battlefront, but I mean Battlefield. Battlefield. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, no, it is being done on purpose to stop people from finishing objectives. They, uh, they don't talk that up in the Star Wars films, but it's going on constantly. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's just... You'll 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 go to shut down a thing and just just be attacked by vehicles. Just it's 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 pretty crazy. I really don't know why I wasn't expecting it, but I wasn't. That was the backup plan, in fact, in destroying the the Death Star. Was that <laughs> if they didn't make that one in a million shot, they're all just going to fly straight into the exhaust. Probably would have worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but overall impressions of that is that it's you know a perfect. In terms of Star Wars, <laughs> <laughs> not did you the play suicide before? bombing. No, the the, the, the Star Warsiness uh, is just so authentic. All of the sound, the way that Hoth looks, it's amazing. Um, the sound, especially, is just it's it is taken exactly from the, the database that they have from the film, so it makes sense why it's perfect. So, which sound effects from Star Wars are in there? And please make these noises right now on the radio. Oh, uh, you instance. know the the laser guns that do the choo kind of noise. There's yeah. a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, and lightsaber. Did you get to be a Jedi? I didn't. So I do was that just, noise anyway. Just, yeah. no, well, no, I'm that's kidding. like a <laughs> kind of that's, noise. That's good. That's in there as well. Is, yeah. so, is Darth Vader in there? Darth Vader is in there, but I didn't see Darth Vader. Okay. I really would have liked to because. Apparently, it's act genuinely terrifying. Yeah, and, and he makes a sound too, right? <laughs> I should have. They should just use me for the sound effects. They should. For, well, they don't need the, that database at all. Uh, not at all. No, <laughs> but really, it is actually perfect in terms of Star Wars in a way that I knew that it was going to be because they keep advertising that they've taken it all from the actual databases, but it was still just so impressive and you actually really feel like you're there, but... At the same time, I worry about the uh, longevity of the game. I think that while I had fun with what I did play and 20 versus 20 is just so chaotic, um, I, I, th- I think it's going to be like another Titanfall or Destiny where you play for an hour and then you know what every other hour you play is going to feel like. Mm. And despite their throwing in vehicles, it doesn't feel... I guess I wonder if it's because it is such a huge amount of people that it, there's no tactics you, you aren't encouraged to communicate, so it just feels like people just spawning and then running and, and shooting each other over and over again rather than having a lot of substance, but I'll definitely need to play more of it to make that decision. Um, one complaint I definitely have is the auto-aim, which is just obnoxious. Um, I you know Plenty of games have auto-aim, and I can understand why it has it for such a large map, but it just auto-aims on stuff that's slightly near you all the time, and I've never had that complaint about anything I've ever played before. Were you playing as the Empire, though? Because those guys can't shoot for shit. No, I, I, <laughs> I appreciate the joke. All right, fine. But I wasn't. That's all I need. Uh, <laughs> you tried. Uh, but no, I wasn't, and it's just really... I don't know. Uh, I, I don't 
you couldn't turn it off. Mm. Uh, I'm hoping that it will have the option to turn it off, but it was just frustrating to have it, you know, you're trying to run to a different part of the map and then it faces you towards someone again. Oh, jeez. Yeah. That's significant. Yeah, I've never felt that before. Um, But the beta for that starts tomorrow. So Is it a closed beta or or an open beta? It's an open beta, I believe. Really? Okay. Do you want me to check my emails? Uh, I can check. I guess. Uh, I'm interested. Let's have a look. Uh, The beta will open (laughs) to the public on the 8th of October and offer Walker Assault on Hoth and Drop Zone on Solist and Survival Mission on Tatooine. So, yes. Is that for all platforms, PC? It is. It is? Okay. Yes. Cool. I'm interested in the PC version, although I've heard that the specs are quite hefty. The They're minimum right specs. Yeah. Yeah, hefty specs. Yeah. I've heard that. Yep. <laughs> well, you need a 2 gigabyte video card and 16 gigabytes of RAM. That's the recommended Well, spec. I mean, it is a huge mm. game. The maps oh, are yeah. massive, so, that yeah, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I again, get, definitely going to need to play more of that to sort of flesh out my opinions on it. Uh, then the next thing I want to talk about is PlayStation VR. Yes. Which is just incredible. It's the PlayStation's version of the Oculus Rift, effectively. Uh, it's a headset that you wear and then you're completely submerged into a, a different universe. And first things first, it's really comfortable. It's really light. Um, it, it looks good. It's got nice white and blue stuff going on. It's a fancy-looking headset. Blue LEDs all over the front, It's right? very Tron-looking, and I like that. Makes That's you look cool. like Cyclops from the X-Men. Yeah, kind of A good version with, with blue eyes, not red eyes. <laughs> oh, that makes all the difference. Yeah. It's very important that those LEDs are blue. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's super comfortable, and it also doesn't have... Uh, I think they call it screen door effect, but I'm going to say the, the graininess mm. that Oculus Rift DK2 has, which is just... You can see the pixels all the time mm. in everything you play, and I, I don't know how... But PlayStation VR didn't have that. It was really, really smooth. Vaseline on the lens. Got to be that. Because it doesn't really make sense how it looked better than DK2. But it did. And everyone else I spoke to agreed with that. Uh, but the thing that I played was called The Deep, which is basically you just get submerged into water. You're sort <laughs> of in a, in a cage and you're going down into the ocean. And there's oh. a lot of... Nope. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I'm immediately uncomfortable. Didn't, like, well, oh. I, was, I was uncomfortable, but it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. It was mostly pleasant. Uh, except for when you get to the bottom and there's a shark. And it was funny. I had a friend recording shark. me. Shark? Yeah, it was a shark. Oh. I had a friend re- recording me <laughs> while I was around. <laughs> Three. <we're gone>. <laughs> <laughs> while I was playing it. Uh, yeah, so someone had a video on me that whole time. And they weren't allowed to record the screen. But I could tell the point when the shark showed up because my body language was so dramatic. <laughs> like, I froze. And then I laughed. And then I sort of shuffled my feet a bit. And I'm like, you know what? That's the part where the shark appears, obviously. Uh, the graphics are terrible. <laughs> but... You know, it's a, it's a, because it doesn't have that graininess, because it's so comfortable, it almost feels like you're not wearing it. Um, it was totally immersive, as cliche as that word is. And I just really want to try other things with it. Um, I think that it's another great piece of technology, and I love VR, and I want one. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's interesting that you say that you forget you're wearing it, because every time I'm, I've used the Oculus VR, I'm always reminded I'm wearing it because you've got, like, a bunch of cables... From your your neck coming down, you got yeah, the headphones, it. and it's kind of heavy. Yeah, and there's all this crap that's hanging off you, and you're just like, oh, it's a bit uncomfortable. Look, at this point, I think PlayStation VR is is better than Oculus Rift DK2, but it's hard to say because we don't know what stages of development the PSVR is at either. It mm. could be further ahead. You know, it's you can't really compare two things that aren't officially released yet. But yeah, definitely lighter, more comfortable, and didn't have any of the graininess. Um, so I think that's supposed to be coming out sometime in the middle of next year. And I 
look forward to seeing the game library that comes with it because the deep is more of a viewing experience than a game. Uh, they did also have something that's like a hostage situation where you're in a car and you use the PlayStation Move controllers to shoot, hmm. which people were raving about, but you had to make appointments for it a week before EB Expo even started or have to have like an express gamer pass, which apparently costs like $500 for the weekend or something ridiculous like that. So I don't think too many people got to experience it, unfortunately. Mm. Um, but it should be at PAX as well. So hopefully people get to check it out there too. I'm incredibly excited for the whole virtual reality mm-hmm. onslaught. I mean, you, you spoke about immersion. Uh, I remember like as a child playing games, you got fully immersed in the game. Like I was, it was almost like you're in the world. As an adult, it's hard to recreate that because you got all these things. Well, for me anyway, like yeah. you got all these worries in the back you of your mind. All line. these priorities. It's like okay, adulthood. I'm gonna pay my bills later. Exactly. Like all these niggling thoughts in your mind, and you, it's hard for me to get hmm. into the game like I did as a child. But when I put on the headset, yeah. I experienced that again, yeah. like being in the game. It's yeah. also like you think back to the very first 3D film that you ever saw, you know, like just that absolute wonderment of just yeah. things coming out at you. And yeah. even then, like you still were aware that there were people around you, but it was just completely different to ever seeing any other movie or watching TV or anything because you felt like you were right there in it and you could almost feel them or, you know, it's just another I remember step mine was Movie World. I watched a... Um, like the 40... Marvin the Martian? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The oh, the, yeah. I watched that at, at Movie World. That was... Yeah. Was the first 3D thing I ever saw, oh. and I still remember it. And my first VR experience was uh, TF2, mm-hmm. and that was pretty crazy. I, I just I hope it takes off because it is so well done, and all of these different VR headsets that are now coming out, just yeah. they're all really good. I find it interesting that it's coming out through a games avenue where, like, I look at this technology and I just think there are a million and one like medical uses Mm. and educational uses and things that this would just be so much more beneficial to than like just it's easier games to as well. market to nerds. To- oh, look, is the thing. Prob- probably. Yeah. But like, just, trust me, yeah. nerds, you want this. Whereas you know, trying to market a, a screen that's really close to your face to someone who's interested in, I don't know, natural medicine is going to be like, mm, probably don't want that. But I definitely think it'll branch out to that. Yeah, in the long run. Not, I mean, not so much that, but you know, people that are not able to get outside or move yeah. around as easily, or just I don't know. There's just it's, it opens up literally a world to people that, you know. Alana, as an offhand remark earlier when we were discussing, you said that if they could link it with the Google Street View, it would just be a, a maybe a world-changing experience. Like, we need to travel anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye, travel industry. It's all we need. I don't know. I think I'd want those maps to be a little bit updated first because I tried to look at just where I lived the other day and it was like a flat pancake box. It's like not the most exciting street view I've ever seen. Also, don't live in a flat pancake box. <laughs> yeah, but it's like user updated. So if you want to actually add some volume there, you have to go in there and, you know, build those models yourself, Candy. Oh, I quit, see this like breaching all kinds to, of privacy laws. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's how it works. And I want to look inside her house tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Uh, Alana, you were at the EB Expo on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've been playing a few things. You've got to tell us all about uh, Rainbow Six Siege. Yeah. Uh, do you breach any doors? <clears throat> oh, so much breaching. Uh, I'm a huge Rainbow Six fan. I always have been. I love tactical shooters. I think Rainbow Six Vegas 2 is probably one of my favorite shooters ever. Mm. Um, So Rainbow Six Siege is a little different in that it's multiplayer focused. And 
it still has the same intensity of a full Rainbow Six Vegas game, which is, you know, I mostly played the single player of those. Um, it's, we played, I think, 6v6, I believe. Don't quote me on that. But uh, it was effectively like a situation where you have to capture an area. And, you know, you can breach doors, you can set up traps. Uh, it's Maps are really small, small amount of players, even smaller health bars, and you don't respawn if you die. Are those maps all suburban spaces? Because that's all I've seen so far. That's all I've seen as well, but I don't think they've announced all of them yet. Right. So uh, the one that I played was sort of an apartment block, I guess. Um, just sort of three levels. So the one team, whoever's putting this area in can decide which floor it's on and the other team at the same time can decide which floor they decide to spawn on and then you know you have to communicate a lot to figure out where the other team is and Mm. then figure out how to actually get to them without them killing you because a couple of shots and you're dead basically so uh it's super intense and there were three matches or three rounds and we got to the last one ended up as a 1v1 when you know we were one all for the previous two and then the third ended up as a 1v1 at the very very end and in the last tec- 10 seconds of the countdown it ended and it was just so damn intense but it's also hard for me to talk about because there's so many different components of it like different things that you can use that I don't know all the technical names for mm. like a lot of wire traps was a big thing that we used and for that last match uh, the the whole of my team was breaching from different entrances so you just have to sort of coordinate where you all are on a map um, and you know I it's, I guess it kind of makes me think of CS or Counter-Strike, but I think it's still in some way more intense than that. Um, just, yeah, one of the most stressful experiences ever. But I do have concerns about it coming out because if you don't have a lot of communication or a microphone, it's just not going to work. Yeah, just playing with randoms. Not going to work. Or think they're Rambo or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. and a lot of people will, but you die so quickly that it's useless and... I just don't think you can have any success without talking about what you're doing and where you're placing certain things. And it's, uh, I don't know how it's going to work on console, especially when less people have microphones. But, mm. you know, if you are just searching for a match in matchmaking and then you end up versing people who are friends in a party together, you just don't stand a chance no matter what because it's communication based. So I feel like it's probably better to play this one on PC when it comes out because a lot of people on PC tend to have mics. Um, but just hope that it's people who are willing to talk to you because it's going to fall apart without that. But with that, if everything's in order, it's going to be great. But it's also, you know, not as fun if the other team doesn't have mics because then they're not going to be competitive. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, you have to have the, the perfect circumstance for you to play this, which at an expo floor totally is because everyone has a mic mm. and you know your setup's not going to fail. So, you know, I feel like for this game to be successful, you have to have just really ideal circumstances and I don't know how that's going to work in the real world. The showcases I've seen for this so far have all sounded... Like, they've looked like a lot of fun, but also sounded really fake because the people playing it are, like, the developers or mm. maybe actors because they coordinate too well. <laughs> it's like watching a, a TV show. It's like an episode of 24 or something, and you're like, a real game mm. is never going to be that smooth. I feel like we coordinated really well uh, in all of ours, but the biggest thing is people talking over each other. Mm. So you know it's real. If People are like, wait, wait where are you? Roughly, where are you? And then you'll have someone be like, he's here. And you're like, from where? Like, <laughs> he's here. In How does that relate to where I am right now? Where is here? And that's the biggest issue that they had. So if they had like a ping system, I think that would work really well as well to point out markers for things because 
but I guess that's not realistic. You also need like a chain of command apparently to know like who should be talking. You totally do. I think you need a leader of the squad to be like, all right, shut up and listen because people just yell over each other all the time. But uh, I love it. And then I comes it. a guy that's sitting there eating chips. You know, music on in the background. Yeah. 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 Suddenly he sees a grasshopper and is like screaming into mm-hmm. the mic. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it's got a lot of room for fail, but uh, <laughs> with the way that I did play it in the circumstance that I did play it, I absolutely loved it. It was just an incredible experience, and I didn't want to stop playing. Mm. So if you get a chance, try to organize a expo. massive games expo yeah. and get, like, you know, 12 people that you know quite well and yeah. everyone's talking. and Play Rainbow Six there. Yeah. I mean, Counter-Strike works. I think Rainbow Six Siege is a little more, mm. requires a little more communication than that. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Um, and then the other one that I played was Halo 5 Guardians, which I think the game mode that I played is, is Warfare, and it's just so different from Halo completely. Has really? anyone here played a lot of Halo? I have. Yeah. In the new one, you can run, right? You can. You can sprint. And jump and yeah, stuff. Yeah, you can. Well, you well can I know you'd always jump, jump but I was playing Halo else. 2 oh, last night. you aim down night. sights, right? Yeah, you can. Mm. So that's new. Yeah. Well, you could kind of also do that. But you can do it on all of the guns Yes. Now. Yeah. I was playing Halo 2 last night and kept trying to sprint and couldn't. We're like, why doesn't this <laughs> have a sprint button? It's so difficult. But uh, the, the biggest thing about the warfare mode is that I feel like one of the best things about Halo is that you spawn with, or you used to spawn with the same stuff and then everyone would fight for the certain weapon on the map and then just dominate with it. Like if someone gets an energy sword or a gravity hammer, that person is effectively the man with the golden gun without the game needing to orchestrate that and I, I love the way that plays. With Warfare it's basically not even Halo because you get these things called wrecks and you level up in each match so individually for that match you'll have a level and so you get to level 6 that means you choose a different loadout when you spawn level 6 might unlock a ghost or a banshee, energy sword gravity hammer and you can spawn with those things mm. meaning that it's totally different and I feel like it's going to give better players huge advantages because while you level up pretty quickly for really small things no matter what, people who are better are going to get better weapons and just continue succeeding. So I, I don't really know how that's going to work in the long run. Um, it was still really, really fun, and the gameplay is still very Halo, again, aside from sprint button, but I'm happy about the inclusion of that because mm-hmm. playing games without sprint buttons now is hard because you get used to it. Yes. So I'm happy about that inclusion, but... Um, this just this game mode particularly felt like a totally different game. If you can spawn with like a hover bike every time, then that's a pretty huge advantage over everyone else. Yeah, and and yeah. you can. Um, I think the idea is supposed to be that everyone will be the same level, but I don't really know. Yeah, mm. that's a similar system to MOBAs like League of Legends, Dota mm. Two, mm. where you level up only for that game. And I think it balances it out by... it's basically exactly the same. Yeah, it balances it out by having your teammates sort of assist your level. So even if you're doing crap, if your team's doing well, you'll still share the experience points. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess it's supposed to pace the game so that at the early stages, everyone's kind of scrabbling with with nothing, and then by the end, everyone has cool stuff. Yeah. But you have to ensure that everyone does end up with cool stuff at the same time. Yeah. Um, And I mean, they seemed to from what I played, but it still plays... Totally differently, and uh, I think with the vehicles especially, like being able to spawn with whatever vehicle you want totally, it just changes Halo so much. But uh, you can also, with with these wrecks, you get wreck cards. Um, This could turn into a really long discussion, so I'll just cut it short by saying (laughs) that you you can buy wrecks as microtransactions. Okay. Oh, no. Yes. So 
a rec for a ghost is available as a microtransaction, um, yeah. but you, you still have to get to a certain level before you can use it, but you can buy that specific card so that you'll have it for the next game. So that's a thing. Yeah, boo. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't sound good at all. Well, I mean, I don't know if it gives you that much of an advantage. I don't think it's going to help. It's just going to... Yeah, I don't know. I'm still not happy about it because mm. microtransactions are automatically a dirty word. Well, it's pay to win, as far as I can tell, isn't it? But you still have to level up. Yeah, you still have to get to the level. Right. So it's just like it's giving you that card instead of you having to get it by some other means. It's just giving it to you faster. But you still have to get to the right level. You can't start with your ghost just because you have the wreck. It's like you have it, but you have to wait till you're level six till you can use it. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. I get it. Yep. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. But, uh, I mean, I, I still totally enjoyed it. I think... Halo multiplayer has always been awesome, but it, it felt weird playing Halo and it not being like Halo. <laughs> it was just an odd experience. Uh, we did also play with the Xbox Elite controllers, which I don't believe are out yet. It's four buttons at the back, uh, which you can customize to do different things, and the D-pad is totally different. Um, I didn't like it very much, though. The really? D-pad's, D-pad's really imprecise. It triggers on the back, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's annoying because, you know, when you hold a controller, you sort of curl mm. your fingers around the back of it. You can feel them constantly. Mm. And I feel like that's just kind of distracting, being able to feel bumps at the back even when you don't want to use them. And, yeah, the D-pad is just trying to use that to go through a menu system. It's just a mess. Yeah. It has Why? no idea what it's What's doing. What's wrong with it? What's happening? It's got it sort of pivots. Yep. It's almost like it's on like a circle and it just instead of being four directions. it's I don't know how many it's got, but it's just... Is that like the very original one? the place. Didn't that have it? Because he used to... that. I swear the original controller had that. Well, there's it's one that... they brought out for the 360 where you could pop out the D-pad and it would effectively do the same thing. Mm. But No, I'm thinking earlier. It's good for fighting games like, is the point. Yeah. It'll be really good for fighting games, but for everything else I just found it annoying. Mm. Like you can't go through a menu system using the D-pad because it's so imprecise. Can't you replace it? There are, it comes with two. Yeah. yeah. So the idea is that you can take it out and um, the whole controller is supposed to be customizable in every way, but I don't know if it's worth the price point. Yeah. So... Mm. It's comfortable though. The grip's nice. That's that's about it. Just bumpy. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we've been talking about the games and products that Alana saw at the EB Expo. Any other highlights that you would like to just quickly mention in passing before I, we? Head I did off play to a song? bit of Just Cause Three, uh, and that was really cool. I just blew some stuff up. Yeah. Um, which is really all I did in Just Cause Two anyway. So mm. it's not that different. Um, and. Yeah, that's pretty much it. PlayStation VR was totally the winner for me, closely followed by Rainbow Six Siege. Cool. cool. And do you have release dates for the games that you talked about? I know that is a ridiculous request. Uh, Star Wars. <laughs> At this stage, yeah. Star Wars November. Star Wars November sixteen. I think Halo is also November. PlayStation VR is supposed to be next year sometime. Uh, what else did I talk about? I don't. Uh, that'll that'll do. Yeah. That'll do. Yep. November-ish. Thank you very much, Alana. <laughs> Uh, we're, we're listening to Zed Games. We you are, are listening to Zed Games. <laughs> we are also. Some of us are doing Zed Games. Uh, <laughs> but uh, when we come back, Lee and I are going to be talking about Smite. Very nice. Uh, Razor and Lee, you've been playing Smite. Yep. Yes. Tell us about it. So it uh, has been out for a while for the PC. Mm-hmm. Last year, I believe, it was released. And just got a release for the Xbox One very recently. So we thought it'd be a good time to cover it now finally yeah yeah i mean we've we've been bitten a little bit by the moba bug in in part by uh things that uh non-traditional uh games so more heroes of the storm less league of legends and dota 2 because we're still terrified of those games (laughs) but uh smite 
is a more, slightly more accessible uh, version of the same thing. We're talking about games where you are with a team of heroes and having to have your uh, the computer-controlled army slowly, slowly advancing up the map and you are assisting them as they do that whilst also fighting uh, other heroes that are controlled by the enemy team. And in this case, your heroes are gods from across all pantheons. They're all present, even the weird ones. You know the ones I'm talking about. That one. He's definitely in there. <laughs> so it's like real-world mythology and, yes. and religion yep. is yes. where the characters come from. That's like it. Greek, Roman, Norse, yes. Hindu. Yeah. Further than that, yes. Lots of really cool, like, Mesoamerican things and stuff that I'm not even sure what they are, like mm -hmm. strange Czechoslovakian nightmare <laughs> creatures <laughs> that, Who did you play? that steal your teeth. Uh, mm. What? Yeah, you know, just because, gods. <laughs> um, I have a couple of favorites. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Sun Wukong, who I'm talking about, the, the Monkey King, as in Monkey Magic. He's mm -hmm. in there. Uh, he's great. Uh, Loki, also awesome. Good. But my favorite is Cupid, who is mm. a an adorable, fat, little, big-eyed cherub, while everyone else is a cool, like, yeah. like muscly ninja laser warrior hell creature. He well, I mean, is... To be fair, you can also get a different outfit for Cupid that makes him a little red, fat, devil baby thing. Or the bee costume. The bee mm. costume. I'm, Very cute. I'm saving up for that. It's mm. some Anne Gettys, like, magnificence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. I killed a lot of gods in my fat cherub outfit. It was amazing. What, uh, like asleep with some flowers in a pot plant or something? <laughs> no, no, no. You, you shoot them with your, your sweet little arrow. Yeah. You know, mm. And it makes a little plink noise every time. Everyone else has cool powers and Cupid is murdering people with this, like, plink. Uh, we so should just to clarify, are you guys playing it on PC or on console? We are playing it on the PC. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, so to backtrack, uh, Ray, <laughs> you've been playing it as well. Uh, what have I missed out here? Uh, well, it's basically like your, your Dota's, like your League of Legends. The core gameplay is the same, but the fundamental difference with this one is the perspective. Yes. And that is... Which is why it works so well on console. Yes, because it's... Those games uh, have their origins in a real-time strategy game. The original Dota mod was as, as Warcraft, sorry, Warcraft the, three. The, yeah, it was a Warcraft three mod, and so it retains that. Um, it retains the interface and the control scheme of that game. Whereas here we've got an over-the-shoulder, a typical third-person perspective, uh, much like you'd find in MMOs like World of Warcraft, etc. And so it gives it a kind of more. Uh, in your face kind of flavor, I guess. It feels more immediate because you're controlling your character directly. You're not just clicking the mouse and and clicking around like that. I think it makes it feel more like it's your character mm. is the biggest thing. And again, this one being on console, I think it's the first uh, MOBA to make it to next gen and it plays so well on the Xbox One because of that shoulder view. It You, you can't play any other kind of MOBA on a console. It just doesn't work like that. And I wonder if that's kind of what they had in mind when they made it in, in the first place was that it would end up on console so that you could sort of see over your shoulder and play it that way. Mm. Yeah, um, the third-person perspective also means that the things that you prioritize when you're playing are different as well. So yeah. uh, MOBAs tend to be all about controlling spaces and stuff. And here, not only are you having to control the lane, but also you're having to be aware of your like your surroundings and, and where you are spatially because all of your yeah. attacks are things that are happening you know, either in front of you or on either side of you. So the standard, like, movements of a third-person, first-person shooter style of game are all suddenly very 
uh, yeah, very very in your face. Like and, cover, and line of sight, those yeah. sort of things. You have to make sure that you're not in the range of someone. Mm. Things like distance and whether there's an obstacle in your path suddenly become more important. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah, like you actually have to be able to aim to be able to play this, which mm -hmm. is neat and fun. The aim isn't too precise, though, if I remember. It's kind of, uh, sorry, it's not, you know, it's not too hard. No. It's still, there's a degree of auto-aim to make it so that it's not yeah, impossible. There's no vertical axis, so to speak, which is, it takes a little bit of getting used to because in most third-person games, you're used to navigating mm -hmm. it vertically as well. Yeah. Uh, so as long as you're just like on the horizontal plane, you're in line, you've got them. It is a kind of it's 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 fun to watch, right? Because there's like forty-ish gods in there now, and they're all really well rendered, and all of their powers are just completely absurd. Um, it is it's a really pretty chaotic-looking game, um, and it especially with that third-person view. I really like Smite. The third-person view just really <laughs> helps in that you know people shooting out bolts of lightning like Zeus, and it's just watching it from that perspective makes such a big difference because mm. it's all right in front of your face and all the characters are really really good looking mm. uh, even if all the women are totally half naked because they have to be that's the thing but everything looks pretty and it, it adds to that kind of MOBA experience where a lot of other MOBAs that you play you don't play it for the way that it looks you play it for the diff why do people play MOBAs the difficulty the challenge it's quite a deep game once you get into it there's a lot of different areas of strategy and there's a whole you could theorize about it for hours, different play styles and stuff yeah. like that. Mm. Yeah, so it's like other games like World of Warcraft or card games like Magic the Gathering, it's easy to get into, but you could, there's, no, there's no limit to the amount mm. that you could immerse yourself in these environments. So, yeah, it's, Smite's got the same thing going on. So you're playing Smite online yeah. and with randoms, I assume, and against randoms. Yeah. How is that? Well, I mean, a lot of people are intimidated by the communities of these games. League of Legends had to uh, have a whole honor system installed to handle the to toxicity of their community. Um, mm. But uh, for whatever reason, Smite's community is supposed to have a reputation for being quite nice, mm -hmm. even though they're all murder gods trying to smite each other and in the games that Ray and I played online people were very polite mm -hmm. and were very helpful they could see that we were rubbish idiots who didn't know what we were doing and they were like hey Cupid come over here and do this and Zeus Ray was playing as Zeus he was sent off to do something else mm. and um, it was fun it was nice we were playing with random people who weren't mean to us if you play on Dota and you're not good it's just all passive aggressive pinging yeah just constantly <laughs> like why aren't you here right now yeah, um, yeah. I'm part of a bunch of smite uh, Facebook groups and yeah it's always discussed that Smite is nice and I, I can't figure out why. Why are people um, in the Smite community particularly nice? Maybe yeah. the gods curse those who are not. Mm, that's yeah. probably it. That's, that's definitely it. it. They yeah. have to go and play yeah. Dota 2. <laughs> as far as I can tell there's not really any like hardcore punishment system for people who are bad. I mean I think there is a, a small one but they the developers don't have to go to such extremes like uh, Riot Games do mm. to keep their, their players under control. Mm. Uh, it seems everyone just generally good, helpful people. Yeah. Can't why? really put my finger on it. How? I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know how, but I definitely appreciate it. They're all like, you know, pious religious types. Mm, obviously. So it's marketed to Christians. Yeah, yeah. Their religion tells <laughs> them that they can't be mean to others. Mm -hmm. Makes what? sense. So have they added Jesus yet? Not yet, no. but mm -hmm. fingers crossed. Yeah. They just added they <laughs> just added soul. So I mean, you know, they've got to get to him eventually. Yeah. yeah. They don't even have like a Christian God though, do they? No, no, he's not in there. No. For whatever reason. <laughs> how do you um, how do you how do you even put him in a game? What does he 
look well, like. Well, you just do Zeus, but you take the lightning bolt away mm. specifically. Yeah, 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 that's probably it. <laughs> <laughs> Another cool thing that the over-the-shoulder perspective gives you is the fact that the skins are way more appealing now. Mm. Now that I can get up real close to my character, all of a sudden I care what he or she looks like, and that's where they're making most of the money, mm. is by selling different skins for your character. There's a lot of cool variety there. There are a lot of cool varieties. So at the start you might be thinking, you know, I can just get away with playing this game for free uh, because I don't need to look like that cool cyborg. But, you know, as you get going, as you get deeper in, I think it becomes more of a status thing. And you have, definitely want to Have you to spent thousands of dollars on cool cyborg versions of God? I haven't spent <laughs> any money at all, and I've had a good time, which uh, I'm pleased by. Mm-hmm. If I slip further down the rabbit hole, which is a possibility <laughs> at this point, um, I could definitely see myself getting one or two cool skins for the characters that I like to play. I was at the uh, Smite World Championships in January mm. in Atlanta, and... Were you really? I was, yes. I just, I don't know why I just found that really fascinating. I was. It was she good. Said, it was great. She said Atlanta, just, not Atlantis. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I heard. Way cool. But, I uh, heard. you know, the, the money that they managed to raise for that was, I think, that the, it was just below the DI4. Um, I don't remember the exact amount, but it was millions and millions of dollars. And at that point, Smite wasn't that popular. And I wonder if a large part of that was because it's more appealing to spend money on Smite because everything's closer to you and and aesthetic changes are worth more because you see them more. So, you know, they had a a much smaller community, but still raised a ton of money for their their prize. And I I, 10 million or so, I don't remember, but it was a lot of money, whatever it was. They're really pushing the competitive aspect over here in Australia as well. There is a Smite championship. Yeah, they're doing stuff at PAX, yeah. so um, they've got a bunch of cosplayers they're going to be having at the booth, they're doing championships, and I believe there's going to be an after-party, which is how you know that you're in the pro league, I guess, MLG pros, is when you have an after-party. Yeah, mm. I'll, I'll come dressed as Zeus. Mm. <laughs> how about that? I think they'll love that. Yeah. yeah. Togo. Uh, also, there are Australian servers for Smite, which is yeah. awesome. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there's no latency issues, so uh, I think they're going for the the community building of the esports thing here, which is cool. Mm. So to summarize, if you wish to see an Ann Gettys B-Baby murder a Czechoslovakian <laughs> death god, then... Which uh, obviously you want. Yeah, of course. Obviously. Then Smite is the game for you. <laughs> yep. You're right. And it's free to play on both PC and the Xbox One. Yes. And that's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode of Zed Games, guys. Thank you very much for your company this evening. It's been a pleasure. Be back next week at the same time. Now, next week, we are speaking with the winners of the 48-hour game-making challenge that was held last weekend. Yes. That's very exciting. Looking forward to talking to them. Uh, But we're going to leave you now with one track from the Retro City Rampage soundtrack. Jody, what do we have here? This is Vert with Retro City Rampage. See you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.